What is up, Combo Nation? We are here. Shouts to YouTube, man. They got Space Jam up there now. Baby Combo has been enjoying that. Speaking of YouTube, you could catch me on YouTube at Combo TV. That's C-O-M-B-O space T-V. I just put up that Lenny Cook conversation. Go watch that. We are here, man. Today's show, Chuck Cooperstein, the radio voice for the Dallas Mavericks, joins in to talk Mavericks basketball, an outstanding conversation with Chuck. Can't wait for you all to hear this one. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Radio voice of the Mavs. How are you feeling today, Chuck? I'm good. I think I'm in better shape right now than my team is in shape. My, my team is struggling right now. They are. They are. They're a little banged up as well. But I do want to take it back a little bit before we move forward. Um, Jason Kidd has a pretty big sample size as of this point, right? I mean, he took them to the Western Conference Finals last year. Um, how would you describe the differences in style of play when we're talking about Rick and we're talking about Jason? Um, I don't know that it is decidedly different because of the presence of Luca. You know, Luca is going to play how Luca is going to play. Um, I, I do. It, it is interesting to me that I think Jason came in certainly last year with a defensive mindset and having uh, and having everybody buy into it to the point where they were an elite defense by the end of the year until Golden State took them apart in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, you know, Rick early in his time in Dallas was very defensive oriented and, and has always preached the notion of defense. And yet it always seemed as if when there was a choice to be made between offense and defense, he always went with offense. And again, you know, some of it may be because of the personnel that was on hand. Uh, you know, some of it may have been philosophical. Uh, you know, I don't know the, the, the real answer to that, but um I think that, um, you know, just in many ways, they're very similar, though, Andrew. I think they're, they're old, they are old souls. I mean, Jason really is an old soul. I mean, Rick can be a, a bit more prickly in how he addresses players and how he addresses the media in general. And Jason is much more uh, passive aggressive. You know, a lot of times velvet glove over the iron fist to try to get the point across. Um, but you know, look, I, I look at what Jason did last year and know that uh, he's certainly a capable head coach uh, in this league. There are a lot of Maverick fans right now who who beg to differ with that, given uh, what's happened with the team this year. Uh, but I th I think he's you know he's pretty much done you know what he can do with the personnel that he has. Uh, I think it's uh, defensively anyway. Uh, I, I think, you know, offensively, they're terrific. I think in, in many ways, I think Jason's probably bought in even more to Rick's philosophy of, hey, let's launch as many threes as possible and, and you know, buy into the whole analytics uh, bit of threes are better than twos. 
but of course, twos are better than none. Uh, sure. uh, and, uh, you know, to the point where the Mavericks, what, are second or third in the league and three-pointers attempted. Um, and really their entire game is based on if they make threes, there's a pretty good chance they're going to win. And if they don't make them, they absolutely will not win. Yeah. So, I mean, to your point, you said he has a defensive mindset and I think he still does. He just doesn't have the roster for it at this point. But you know what, Andrew, the roster is not too dissimilar again before the trade. Now we're talking before the Kyrie trade. Uh, the roster was not too dissimilar to what he had going into last year and going into the playoffs. I mean, he, he doesn't I like, have I like Finney a lot. Well, he's, he's, uh, Finney Smith is terrific, but again, yeah. I'm talking about before the trade, before the trade. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, Dorian is a terrific defender, can defend four positions. Right. Uh, right. You know, there are very few players who can do that. And when he makes threes at the clip, that he, you know, has made them throughout his career, although his shooting this year is a little down. I mean, he becomes a real weapon for you. Uh, but they at the beginning, of, the only real change was they didn't have Jalen Brunson, who was not a great defender, but who knew how to draw charges, uh, you know, and and could and wasn't totally lost out there on the floor uh, defensively. And and they added Christian Wood. I mean, really, that that's the only the only significant changes to their roster, you know, that they made, uh, you know, they even got, you know, Josh Green, a, a terrific athlete uh, and a guy who certainly has been able to make things happen uh, just because he always plays like his hair's on fire, uh, you know, and gets a whole bunch of 50, 50 balls and, and is willing to guard. And yet it has, it has just not happened. Uh, and they're, you know, they're paying a pretty significant price for it right now. So what are your thoughts on the Kai and Luca experiment so far? You know, they're banged up. It's a small sample size still, but what do you make of it? I mean, offensively, it's been awesome. Absolutely awesome. Everything that you would have thought that it would be, maybe even more. I mean, what, they've only played, what, seven games together or eight games together? Like, what, in three of them, they both have had 30 points in, in both of those games. One of them, One of them missed by one. Uh, you know, the, the Philly game was incredible I mean, when they both went for 40. Right. Uh, you know, great players know how to play with one another, and especially if they want to make it work. Uh, so from that standpoint, it's it's been great. W what has been, I guess, a little frustrating has been the Mavericks have played any number of close games uh, of late, and they've not won very many of them. And there's been at times indecision between the two of, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, who's going to get the shot here at the end of the game? Now, the last two times that they they had a chance for it, uh, you know, against uh, Phoenix, uh, you know, listen, Luca had a layup. L Luca got the best shot in a, la in a late game situation he's had all year long, and, and, he, and he missed that shot. And then uh, the next game against uh, Indiana, you know, they ran a really nice uh, play for Kyrie, uh, it was well defended by T.J. McConnell, but certainly it's a shot that Kyrie can make. Uh, but he didn't make it, and you know the the Mavericks have just been completely snake bit this year by uh, playing in so many close games, uh, so many late game situations, and really hitting no shots of consequence inside the last five seconds of any game this year. So Kyrie is not going to let you know if he's staying or leaving. Um, what would that mean for the Mavs if he does decide to leave? It would be devastating. How how could it not be devastating if you basically gave up uh, two rotation players, two really good players, by the way, 
And I think we're seeing again Dinwiddie in a in a larger role in Brooklyn. You know, real again showing what he was capable of prior to the knee injury a couple of years ago. He's he's been excellent, and he had an excellent year here with the Mavericks. Uh, you know, to the point where you know people saying, well, they didn't replace Brunson. Well, they really did replace Brunson in many ways with Dinwiddie. Now, Dinwiddie was different than Brunson. You know, he doesn't post up like Brunson does. But if you look at his 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 scoring, the efficiency with which he scored, the assists, uh, the fact that when Luke has been out of the lineup, that you know he's basically take over taken over that scoring role. He was great. Okay, they didn't replace Spencer Dinwiddie. That's who they didn't replace when Jalen Brunson went to New York. That and they, and they still have not replaced that player. And that's something for them to consider going forward. Uh, and obviously, we talked about Finney Smith and what he means. So you gave up those two players. You gave up a future first-round pick. And granted, that guy might be just 13 years old right now, but he's going to be playing in the NBA at some point, uh, the picks in 2029, uh, for a player who was with you for two months and you didn't achieve very much in that two months. You, you went all in, you pushed it all in, and you kind of had to do it in order to – uh, show Luca that you are completely committed to winning so that you keep him here as long as possible. But to, to make the trade, not have it work out on the floor, and then not have it work out in the summertime would be nothing short of devastating. Yeah, I mean, the Mavs been shaking and moving. They were trying things like, I mean, they signed Kemba for a little bit. Like, they were trying to fill that void when it came to Jalen. And Spencer was great. You know, you mentioned Jalen, and... From your point of view, how big of a mistake was it that they didn't pay him? I mean, it's pretty inarguable, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he was great all season, was great in the playoffs, and he had the ability, the known ability to the Mavericks of playing off of Luka and playing well off of Luka. Because, again, in this heliocentric world in which uh, the Mavericks operate, you have to be able to play off him. And Jalen knew how to do that and do it effectively. And Jalen, maybe even more importantly, off the floor, is so steady. He's so professional. There's no drama with him at all. He's the best guy. Everybody loves him. That dude has won wherever he has played. You're seeing it in New York this year. And I think that is an intangible that was very much lost by the team when they lost him. I actually think it was great for Jalen, right? I mean, you know, Julius Randle is there, but he is the guy in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, look, it, the it was an interesting choice for Jalen. I mean, take the money out of it for a second. Um, he had the choice of either uh, moving to run his own team because he was not going to run the team in Dallas uh, or being a second guy to arguably the best player he'll ever play with. In Doncic and and a team that was on the cusp of winning. I mean, literally was on the cusp. They got to the Western Conference Finals, uh, you know. And who's to say that they wouldn't have been able to get back there again this year had he stayed? Uh, but the the Mavericks, uh, you know, elected not to extend him when they had the chance to extend him. And then you know you get to free agency, anything can happen in free agency, and it often does. And in the Mavericks' case, in free agency in in their history. Uh, free agency has not been particularly kind to them, and it was not kind here. So my apologies. I keep looking at hindsight. So let, let, let's look forward now. Let's look forward because, you know, the Mavs are eighth. And in most situations, like let's say they lock up that eighth spot. I mean, that's not a guarantee. But in most years, 
you have no chance as the eighth seed, right? But I do think this is a year where the Western Conference is wide open. Wide open. Does that give you some optimism when it comes to this basketball team? Tell me they're going to play some defense. They, they've got to be able to play some defense. Now, you know, the last couple of games, they've not even, and granted, you know, Luca got hurt uh, and was playing hurt in New Orleans, and he didn't play on Saturday night in Memphis. Uh, but when he doesn't play, they don't score. And they're scoring under 110 points. And in the NBA, if you're not scoring at least 110, uh, you have absolutely no chance of winning. So uh, they, as long as he's there and Kyrie is there, they have plenty of offensive firepower to be able to make life miserable for whoever they play. The question is, are they going to be able to guard well enough to allow that offense to be able to take advantage of? Uh, so, I mean, the the short answer is is yes. Of course, they have a chance. Um, and, you know, only there haven't been very many eight seeds that have won uh, since they've gone to eight seeds. And, uh, and uh, no eight seed has won in, in, in a seven-game series. Uh, you know, you have to go back to Seattle beating Denver in 94 to find the last time that that happened. Oh, hopefully for Denver, it doesn't happen again, right? Well, well, right, exa- <laughs> exactly. And and the Mavericks actually, when healthy, do play Denver really well and have played them really well. And, you know, Denver, you know, as good as Jokic is, in fact, as great as Jokic is, uh, you know, d- there's something that's not quite right with them. And, and even as really? they, why, even, do, why do you say that? Even, even as they have cruised through the season and at the top of the, of the West, can you really count on Michael Porter? And, 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 and he's going through a thing right now. Apparently he ripped Michael Malone last night for not playing very much in the second half. You know, you had the bones Highland situation, right. And uh, you know, and they, they dumped him. I mean, they've had, they've had a fairly tumultuous uh, off the floor experience for a first time on the on the rise team to the top of the conference. Obviously, they've been, they've been good for a while here, but uh, the, the Mavericks know how to play them. They know how to, if not stop Jokic, at least you know kind of make him work for whatever it is he has to work for. So if they were playing Denver in the first round, I mean, I think they'd have a chance. Uh, you know, I think if they're playing, if they were playing Memphis, I mean, as a seven seed. I mean, they, they'd have a chance. But look, I mean, you know, we're talking about looking forward to the playoffs. They have to qualify for the playoffs. Okay, they'd be in a play-in game against Minnesota right now. They lost two out of three to Minnesota. Uh, you know, the Lakers, even though they lost to the Knicks last night, the Lakers are coming on, and they're going to get LeBron back at some point here before the end of the year. Anthony Davis is playing like an MVP. The trades have worked out really well for them. Uh, you know, you, you've got to worry about them. Frankly, I'd be worried about Oklahoma City. I mean, Oklahoma City is a pain. They are a pain in the butt and they won't go away. And so, you know, there, there is nothing at all guaranteed in any of these games other than the fact that the games are likely to be late fourth quarter games. Uh, can you win in the clutch? And right now the Mavericks are struggling to figure that out. If, if whoever figures that out best is probably going to be doing some damage in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the Mavericks, what's working for them in, in their favor is that there's no, like, prime Spurs team or prime Warriors team, that 73-win uh, right. team. Like, it's wide open, and that gives teams like the Mavs a chance. Well, again, last year, the Suns were eight games better than everybody else in the Western Conference. They had one of the great regular season margins of all time. And I believe when the Mavericks beat them, they were the first time, it was the first time in 20 years that a team that had at least an eight-game margin on its opponent 
uh, in the playoffs did not win that series. So it's, you, you know, you're not going to have anything like that uh, in, all, in all likelihood this year. But, um, you know, you're right. Everybody is flawed. Like everybody's because then, and so because everybody is flawed, everybody has a chance, which will make it really fun. I think certainly at least to the Western Conference phase of things, and certainly through the last fourteen games of the regular season. But um, you know, if you're looking at the bigger picture, and you're seeing Milwaukee and Boston and Philadelphia, I mean, those teams really do seem to be uh, a cut above everybody else. You've been calling games a long time, been in the business a long time, and it's more parity now in the Western Conference. Do you like it more, and do you think it's better for the league when there's parity, or? there's a so-called super team. Well, fan, fans say they want parity, but they don't really believe it. You know, fa- okay. fan, fans want dynasties. They want to follow great teams, root for great teams or root against great teams and hope for failure, you know, by that great team. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily a fan of parity, but I mean, as if you're working every night in the league, uh, you love parity. Because you you know, at least from yeah. my standpoint, that with five minutes to go, you're probably going to have a pretty good game. And that's all I'm really ever asking for. Is I, I I want a great game with five minutes to go. Give me some big moments and big shots and big blocks and stops and things like that. And I'm a, I'm a happy camper. And you know, I think I think the the league and certainly uh, governorship of the league uh, wants to see that just to be able to put out. Certainly, look at the Western Conference. Everybody's got a chance. Everybody's got a and and the play-in has certainly helped in that regard too, uh, because it has kept teams playing that otherwise would not be playing and would be trying to be tanking for ping pong balls and brick for Vic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. What teams do you feel are legit title contenders in the West? I actually heard you say on a radio show that you didn't feel the Warriors. You can correct me no, if I'm wrong. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. That's so tell me, you know, tell me first off when they're going to win on the road. Yeah, it's been terrible. You know, it's been this terrible. Is, this, is, this is a team that has won 20, has had at least one road win in 27 consecutive playoff series, which is absolutely remarkable. But they've always had home court advantage, at least for the most part, they've had home court advantage, right? They they um, they didn't have it against uh, Boston last year, uh, but the, you know they were still able to win. But for the most part, they have had that. Um, when the Warriors have been great, it is because their defense has been absolutely elite, and you know top five, whether in in defensive rating and you know any of the other measurables you want to go to. Uh, they have to be that good because their offense is going to put them in peril. Their offense turns it over so much, creates other opportunities for opponents that if, if they were not good defensively, they'd be getting beat. Well, this year, a little bit of age, a little bit of injury. You know, yeah. You've got Wiggins out here for a long time here because of personal reasons. And Curry's been out a long time. Thompson has been, you know, doesn't play on the second night of back-to-backs. Draymond's been hurt. I mean, the young guys aren't contributing. The young, guy, maybe the as young much. guys aren't playing. The young guys aren't very good defensively. Yeah. So, you know, and Iguodala is too old to play. Now, they may break them out for the playoffs, but they're not good defensively. And, you know, I, I just can't, I just can't see it with them. And, I mean, yeah, Curry and Thompson can be incandescent and, you know, make – Threes on top of threes, and it's incredible to watch. But in the end, they have always won because of their defense, and they don't have defense this year. Mavericks, going forward, let's end with this. Um, I don't think personally it's championship or bust. Luka's young. You know, the defense isn't really there. But 
what would a successful season look like to you? What's the least they have to do for the season to be successful in the playoffs? I think you have to win a playoff round. You have to at least get to the second round of the playoffs. I mean, despite what fans want and what fans believe, championships are not guaranteed. <laughs> right, know, right. They're, they're really. They're, I mean, people forget this. One team wins every year. Right. And, tw- and, and thus, 29 others fail. And the whole rings culture with ZZZ, on, it, it's been among the worst things that has ever happened to NBA fandom. Uh, in in my opinion, that you know that's that's all that counts. There's there's no glory in the journey. Well, if there's no glory in the journey, then you know why do you buy tickets? Why do you watch on television? You know you you want your team to win. Clearly, you want your team to win. But if they don't win, is is there absolutely no enjoyment that that comes with that? I mean, it's you know that that's that's a pretty tough one for me to get through. But um, you know, I I just they, they have to. So they have to win a round. They have to find a way to win a round in the playoffs. And if they do, I think you can, because everything has been so chaotic here in, in the regular season, that if somehow they came together and they won a playoff series, and especially now winning it as an underdog where they would not have home court advantage, uh, I, I don't know how people would look at it as anything other than successful. I mean, I mean, unless you're just saying the only thing that counts is winning it all and you no know, winning it. Again, as you say, Andrew, only one team wins it all. Yeah, the rings culture is crazy. Um, I actually think Luka is the best player in the NBA. I know a lot of people don't agree with me. Most would go with maybe Giannis or Jokic or Embiid. And I feel that, like, he just doesn't have the team to win it all. And obviously, he's very young. But I think this happens a lot when comparing players, even when it comes to the all-time history of the game. There's just some players that haven't been in a great situation to win a championship. And then we see other players who are in a great situation and they just automatically get ranked higher. Do you see that as well? Yeah, but 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 sometimes those great players create their own. 100%. And cre- like, and create- like Michael Jordan, like, that right. was, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, and, and even to a larger degree, Larry Bird. But, you know, Larry Bird did have Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish with him. And, and now Red Auerbach had a trade for him. Right. 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 Made the trades for him. But again, but but Larry Bird really was the one who was the the catalyst, you know, for all of that. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, right now, the team as constituted does not look like a championship team. But, you know, they they're going to they're going to have some once they get through uh, this summer and, uh, you know, convey the pick to the Knicks uh, in the from the Porzingis trade. And now, you know, they, they have a chance to, you know, uh, throw together some uh, multiple draft choices to uh, to trade, uh, so that they can maybe get another player and, and get Kyrie signed. I mean, look, a lot of, a lot of dominoes have to fall correctly for for all of this to take place. And, and Doncic, he's phenomenal. He is phenomenal. I mean, he's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Too many technicals. Way you know, way too much jabbering with the refs. Um, needs to be more consistent on defense. He's needs- young, Chuck. He's young. Yeah. Well, no, but you know what? I, I I don't want to use that argument that he's young. He's 24. He's been in the league five years now. He's been a professional since he was 14 years old playing in, in Madrid uh, against players that were older than him and and certainly more mature than him. You know, it's he's played at a high level for a long time. And so I think at, at some point, it's got to kick in. Otherwise, he's, he looks like Rick Barry. Or he looks like Tim Duncan, you know, guys who never believed they ever committed a foul in their life, uh, or, or, or always believed 
that they were fouled. And 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 or in like Shaq, you know, who who never got a call, was probably the hardest person ever to defend. But Luca averages eleven free throws attempted per game. I mean, seriously, it's not like he's not getting whistles. Well, you know what? Shoot better than seventy three percent from the foul line. Yeah. Shoot eighty percent. We know he's capable of it. We know he's incredibly streaky from the line. He's incredibly streaky as a three point shooter. And so there there are consistency there are consistency issues. That I think that can be addressed. Yeah, yeah. If, those are fix. If, those are fixable issues for sure. Right. Like and, the free and, throw and, if he, and if he does address them, given everything else that he has, which is I mean, just an incredible package of talent, IQ, Savant. field, all, yeah. all of those things. I mean, you you probably are looking at the best player in the world. Um, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's he's on the cusp of it for sure. But there are, as I say, there there are things that he can definitely work at that. Also, as a result, widen his opportunity to win championships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, even contrary to my own point, it's all about the championships, right? It is Rick's <laughs> culture. For him to be considered an all-time great, he's going to have to win championships. Well, look, you know, I, I I, mean, I hate to say that. You know, Dirk finally got here his in his 13th year. It took 13 years for Dirk to win, you know, what, four first-team All-NBAs. Um, and uh, an MVP, uh, and all of that, all of that happened before he won his championship, and yet somehow in his thirteen, it was almost like he was an overnight sensation, right? Right, but he was always good, right? Like, he was, no, he wasn't just always good. He was, he was great. great. Right, he right, was right. great. Right, right, right. But again, right. people don't want to don't see the macro; they're only looking at the micro of those few of those few playoff games and determining, you know, whether or not. A guy can play, and it's not say, for instance, like a guy like James Harden, who has been phenomenal in the regular season, scoring titles, MVP, you know, first team All NBA, that kind of stuff. But again, look at what he does in the playoffs, and especially in closing games in the playoffs when there there's an utter disappearance. Dirk was never like that. I mean, you know, Dirk for a long time was one of I think only four guys to ever average twenty five points and ten rebounds in the playoffs. Yeah, he, he was great. But people didn't realize that he was great until 2011, which is inherently unfair. But I guess that's that's where we are right now. It's just, you know, people don't want to take the time really to actually look. Yeah, it was a huge legacy boost. It's almost like D-Wade's championship when he won it without LeBron. Like, that boosted his legacy when we look at his all-time career a lot, right? And it was the same for Dirk. Like, Dirk would not be looked at the same if he didn't get that championship. I, I don't think there's there's... From the general public, I would agree with you. From the the basketball public, the, the people who are really involved in the game and watch it every night, uh, they know. You're right, right. And, they, and, they, and know, they know greatness when they see it. But legacy is determined by the broader general public, right, a lot of times. Not the insiders or the podcasters or the commentators or well, the players. I mean, on on some level, yes, but again, your legacy ultimately is determined by eighteen unnamed people who vote for the basketball hall. Of Fame. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> right? That is true. And we don't know who they are, or twenty four. I guess twenty four <laughs> vote eighteen. You got to get eighteen votes. That is true, Chuck. Great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media? Where can we find you on radio? Uh, I am uh, at Coop Mavs on Twitter. Uh, I don't do IG. Uh, okay. Um, you know, I've got to, you know, my own, you can find me on Facebook probably, but I don't, I don't, you know, I do more personal stuff there than, than basketball stuff. Uh, our games are, uh, 
like tonight against Memphis, we'll be on Sirius on the NBA on the uh, Sirius NBA channel. Otherwise, you know, it's it's a it's a night to night type of thing. Uh, we're on the iHeart app uh, as our as uh, the Mavericks uh, are part of the iHeart family. So uh, you can go to the iHeart app and uh, pick us up there. And if you're in Dallas Fort Worth on ninety seven point one, the Freak. Thanks so much, Chuck. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Take care. There it was. Another episode of Combos Court is in the books. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button. Big shouts to Chuck for joining in. Big shouts to everyone who listens, tunes in, watches Combos Court across the globe. That's right. You could watch Combos Court. Yeah, you could catch video clips on my Instagram page. Those IG reels. One, two combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 454 combo out.